So you know with all the wind this past week? Cancel. For how long? Uh-oh. No. <laughs> Cancel, please. You have the funny Siri that's from somewhere else. Yeah. My... She's going to talk to you again in the middle of all of this. You know this that is, now. This, I have it set for New Zealand. Oh, perfect. Yeah. The so, wind? All this wind this past week. Yeah. My neighbor has this knack of only getting the blower out when it's windy. Of course. I don't understand that. <laughs> I have trees. I have leaves. I spent the morning dealing with all this stuff. I like it calm when I'm trying to get leaves into a spot because the wind tells me they're going to go somewhere else. Take it wherever. So why a blower when it's as windy as hell? Like he's battling. Let's see if my blower is more efficient than the wind. I've never understood. And <laughs> it took like a couple of windstorms this year to figure out, nope, he does this every time it blows the wind. Mm-hmm. Like I got to get these things up before it's too, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's an interesting duck. All right. Are we ready? ready? Yeah. Oh, cool. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the Newman and Payne podcast, episode number 73. Today, we're doing some self-indulgence. Yeah, self-indulgence. Uh, we get to talk about concerts that we've seen and liked and enjoyed and all that stuff, and <laughs> shows, that we, uh, shows that we you know, have, uh, whether I've seen something or you've seen something, right. um, or maybe you know, it's, it's a show that we've been at together. Okay. And, uh, and all that. So it, it works out. So that goes back to our very first uh, podcast. If you haven't heard it already, we talked about first. And I talked about the first time I was behind or, or went backstage was a Quake show with Pantera in winter of 1990. December 14th, 1990. I don't know why you remember this. <laughs> 1990 is good enough. And the Quake, you know, that place holds a thousand people, right? Give or take now Ed's fantasy or fantasy girls. Right. And there's probably 8,000 people in Reno that say they've been to that show. Yeah. Because it's kind of legendary that Pantera played at the, this hovel that's out on East 4th Street. Even people who aren't 30 years old. I was there. Okay. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, sure. Okay, right. right. Yeah. Maybe you were there in some sort of inception purpose. Right. <laughs> Something. So uh, that, that takes us all the way back. And that was one of the first times I remember you, like, that was your night. You were working the crowd. You're wearing your... Um, duct tape shorts, you're just kind of bouncing from wall to wall to wall outside. I mean, you were just kind of nuts because you're so excited, not just because it's Pantera, because you've got friends and you've got fans and you've got people who are excited with you. And that kind of raised your energy. Yeah, absolutely. And and seeing Pantera, I mean, obviously, you know, you they're oh. a band at this point who were established for almost ten years, and it was their major label debut, their fifth record overall, that uh, Cowboys from Hell, that was released earlier in the year. Right. That was the record that basically started to put them on the map, and was it would eventually become the gateway to make them a household name. Absolutely. And Cemetery Gates at that point, if it wasn't on what we considered our chart, the Xerox 50, yeah. at the top, it was really close. Yeah. Uh, it was, um, I don't know. If they it, recorded some, remember some of the home video at sure. the radio station. Absolutely. And that leading, was, leading up to that, they were in, in uh, the, at the record store in Carson City at JJ's Ear Candy earlier that day. Oh, yeah. It was, it was a big part of what was exciting to us. I mean, it was just, it wasn't just one moment. 
it was kind of a kind of an event yeah. that sort of launched a whole bunch of other events that went along. And from there, and I pulled out my my cool little collaborations of passes and tickets and all oh, that wow. that start. So we we have uh, Vinny and Dimes that's on their bus, and we're hanging out with Phil outside their bus. That was when they came back and they played at the Limelight. Yeah, that was Mother's Day weekend, nineteen ninety one. Which was a which was a yeah another crazy show because Monumental I remember show. sitting behind Vinny's drum kit that entire show just watching him from behind, Amazing. which I'd never gotten to do for any show. I don't think I've ever done since. Yeah, because he was kind of the master of that stuff. He was the the and I am not a musician by any stretch. I don't know the names of anything more than it's a drum or it's a cymbal. <laughs> the kick drum, floor yeah, toms. Yeah, but he had the he had the double floor toms. Yeah, and kick drums. he was so fast with it yeah. that it sounded like just one foot. But he was he was incredible. But so that's Pantera, and we sit and we dwell and we have great memories, and we're bummed that half the band is gone, and we move on. There are other things like lighter moments, like Warrant and Poison. Yeah. So you saw that show. That was uh, what was that was like uh, fall of '91, right? It was Warrant, Firehouse, and Poison. Yeah. And I hung out with the Firehouse guys. I never met anybody from Warrant. In the backstage thing, they never had time to show Wait, up and meet with us. That was, was it, October of '91. Was it? No, no, it wasn't poison. It was Warrant, Firehouse, and Trickster. By the way, trickster. I need to get that Trickster patch from you. Yes, you do. <laughs> While we're on our mind, yeah, but no, it was Warrant, Warrant, Firehouse, and Trickster right. because uh, Poison played at Lawler earlier that year, um, with May of '91. Yeah, with Bullet Boys, Bullet and, Boys Slaughter. and Slaughter. Yeah, Slaughter. Wow. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I mean, there yeah. were a lot of shows, we and that saw... was a cool time for us because it seemed like it was a parade mm -hmm. of big shows. Yeah, and in in large in part to Z Rock, the radio station that that we worked at the time, um, you know, and, and having the national the the network of, of right. you know fifty stations or so across the country that you know we're on xerox so that's a big deal we need to play all of the cities all of the markets that had you know the radio station on and so all of the bands came through it didn't matter large or small they all came through it was great and it was it was an interesting time too because it wasn't just lawler it wasn't just those big shows mm -mm. but we do smaller shows at pioneer with cheap trick or we uh you got to host king's x yeah, that was in fun. In the Hall of Fame room where mm -hmm. they yelled at you because you screwed up the intro, but that's okay. It happens. At the, uh, yeah, Lawler Events Center. And they, and they yelled at me because I wore a uh, Saigon Kick shirt and they'd just gotten into a fight. Like physically, the guys from King's X had gotten into a fight with the guys from Saigon Kick like two nights earlier and I'd read about it or heard something about it. So I'm like, hey, let's be a knucklehead and wear a Saigon Kick shirt to the uh, <laughs> the. The pre-show stuff. Saigon and, Kick is uh, a, a super amazing band. Who I, did you ever get to see them? Yeah, don't remember where. <laughs> Came in with. Uh, I never and then got we to went over the hill, and this was a, a moment you probably don't remember this specifically, but we went to Day on the Green, the last one, October '91. Okay, right. That was which uh, was the monster event that was. Um, it was October 12th. It was. Opening up with Soundgarden. So, wow. Then Faith No More played. Okay. Then Queensryche. Yeah. And they did most of the uh, Mind Crime. And then they finished up with the Empire stuff. Okay. And then it was finished up with Metallica. It seemed like we were there for like two days. Uh, it was a lot yeah. of music for 
that afternoon. And those are the days when we could drive down and drive back without any trouble. Uh, <laughs> now kind of trouble. it's more of a uh, like, ah, okay, let's get a hotel room and let's yeah. find out where we're going to eat and stay and all. <laughs> hotel room the night before. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure they were there. Oh yeah. No, we pulled it, but we got into a fight about this show. You and I did? Yes. Oh man, not good. Because you wanted both tickets because you had a girlfriend that you wanted to bring. And we only got two tickets at the station. Oh. And my dad was one of the owners of the station. Mm -hmm. And he said, no, Chris Payne, Greg Newman works here as well. You can't take both tickets because you want to take your girlfriend. You guys have to work something out. So I took one of your tickets. And you had to buy a ticket for your girlfriend. Or you worked something out with a label. I'm not sure which happened. I don't remember either. But it, uh, yeah, it was kind of a battle. And you were mad at me because I didn't even see you for most of the show. And then I found you like in the upper deck between the Queen's Rank Metallica set. And like that's deck. when the Sod War started. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So, so once again... Would that place hold probably 50,000 people for that show uh, or something? Oakland Coliseum, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so well, 35,000 no, with no. the ground? It what? was supposed to be, I mean, we could probably Google it right now, but I think there was around forty five or 50,000 people. A million and a half people have been to that show and have seen the Sod War. Again. Yeah. So the Sod War, <laughs> like it was Woodstock. <laughs> it was like, it, it was like uh, picture um, uh, fi uh, fireflies around the field only in the form of Sod flying in the air. Okay. <laughs> That's really the way I can describe it. That's what I was thinking. It, it would be fireflies going, you know, like, because the sod war started and it was, it was like a weird, um, like shuffling from right field out to left field. And we were about dead center on the second deck. We were, we're and, maybe hinting to the first base side, but we still missed but, it. Yeah. And it went, it was like, it, it was like standing under a waterfall that was moving from right field to left field, although moving and not like through the outfield, it like if you're at home plate, so you're the section, you and I are the way we're facing each other right now. And by the way, pardon me, I was about to burp. Um, so, so you would be like, I would be about where the stage is and right. you would be where we were standing. And it, I don't know if it was you or me who got the other's attention, but it was like, holy crap, look. And all of a sudden, we both look out to right field, and that's when we see. Oh. Excuse me. There's the burp. All right. That's where we see the 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 sod flying from the field up to whatever deck, and people from that deck throwing it back onto the field. And they complemented it with their mostly empty beer cups, that they would sling down. <laughs> they'd hold by the edge, and yes. they'd sling down. So you had, and it actually. It stayed on the ground at first mm. because everybody down on the outfield sort of split like the sea in Moses where they just went to the right field and they yeah. back and forth, back and yes, forth. On the then field they decided, first. oh, let's start throwing them to our friends that are sitting up in the upper stands. Yeah. So then they started throwing sod and that field got shredded yeah. and they had an A's game there two days later and that was the last day on the green. Oof. No, 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 because they did. They were there. Did the, they do the, one more? They did one more the following year. It was Metallica, Guns N' Roses, and Body Count. Oh, I thought that was the show that got canceled. No, that happened. Um, they, uh, they did it there. They did it in the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. Gunners, that's when Gunners started canceling. Like, they would or would not show. They would well, have sub-ins. They it were was a mess. They had the dumb bickering back and forth of, right. we're bigger than you are. We're Metallica. We're Guns N' Roses. We're Metallica. It was like a teeter-totter. Who's going to headline whatever night? And it was just dumb egos instead oh, of just putting on a kick-ass show night after night. Right. And just letting management 
say, all right guys, we're going to flip coins and then we're going to alternate and go from there because that's the way those things go. Okay, so let's go back a little bit. One of the first shows I ever saw away from here mm -hmm. was Clash of the Titans. That was at Arco in uh, May of 91. Oh, that was, I walked out of there just simply like, that was amazing, but I have an excruciating headache because it was nonstop noise. And everybody felt like all four bands did an amazing thing. The problem was, because I waited for this chick Christy to come, we only got to see Man in the Box from Alice in Chains, their final song, so which bummed me out because Alice, I wanted to see the whole thing more than any of the other bands. And those who weren't... Um, they were the opener. Those, yeah, those who didn't get to see this tour, again, going back, we're, all, we're going back almost 30 years. So uh -huh. it was Alice in Chains, and then Anthrax played, and then Megadeth, and then Slayer played. And Slayer, Anthrax, and Megadeth would rotate who would go last, who would be the headliner. Yes. And Alice in Chains was the new guy. Yeah, they were the opener. And nobody knew what to do with them. So, yeah, you're putting a grunge band with these metal guys because they were such a... <laughs> they were ahead of everybody else with that sound. Mm -hmm. So, they, I mean, they, they went on to tour with Poison, for God's sakes. Nobody knew what to do with Alice in Chains. So... <laughs> So, uh, and we saw them later on open up for Van Halen, for God's sake. Uh, four months later, to be precise, right. at so, Cal Expo. Right. So we saw a lot of Alice in Chains for a little while, but seeing them at that show, that was a year and four months. No. It wasn't 92? It was September 91, brother. Was it really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was that quick. The turnaround was wow. that quick. Yeah. So they're on this, wow. this like heavy metal, speed metal tour, and then they go on the road with Van Halen. And then here's a, here's a fun fact. Uh, there's a story. It's funny you mentioned that. Um, there's a story that's out, and, and we can Google it. I'll show it to you later. Um, Jerry Cantrell, after getting home from that tour, um, his roommate at the time said, Hey, um, I need you to move your stuff out of the garage. I can't, put, I can't park my car. And Jerry was like, What are you talking about? He goes, You have a bunch of boxes in the garage. Turns out Eddie Van Halen had sent him gear and guitars and oh, a ton of stuff oh, cool. while they were out on the road and it all went into the garage and Jerry had no idea. So when they opened up the garage, all of a sudden he sees all this stuff. He's like, what is happening? And sees that it's all from Eddie Van Halen. It was like, okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Because again, Allison Chains had not made it. No. They were still working facelift. They were still, mm -hmm. everybody knew him for Man in the Box and that was it. Mm -hmm. Dirt hadn't hit. Rooster hadn't hit. They had Their world hadn't exploded right. to make them a, a, a headlining band. And that was a, a, that was a pretty cool thing. And that was also the last time we saw them with the original lineup. Because Brent Starr went on to leave shortly thereafter, right? Uh, Mike Starr. Mike Starr. Um, See, never what? ask me guys from bands. I, you can talk about bands, just not guys from bands. I band. think Mike joined Ozzy's band for a minute. Because um, uh, Sean, not Sean Kenny. I think Mike went to go play in Ozzy's band for a hot minute. Um, and then was replaced by somebody else. Uh, the, 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 that, that's another one we could do. In fact, if you want to do musical... Um, Musical music, musical chairs oh, for God. a podcast. Yeah, <laughs> we no. can, we'll be here forever yeah, no. with the family tree of all that. But yeah, yeah no. um, Robert Trujillo. In fact, there's a photograph that people are are, are uh, sharing as a cute. Uh, if if you say use a finger quotes, cute meme um, of suicidal tendencies from 30 years ago, 1990. They're on the tour. They're on their uh, lights, camera, revolution tour. Awesome. Pantera was the opener for that. Back to Pantera. Okay, and. Um, Mike is photographed holding a can of Diet Coke and someone circled the can with an arrow pointing up to it 
is saying my life or something along the lines of my life this whole time has been a lie or whatever. <laughs> and, okay. and, and, but the, I mean, for the record, again, this, this photo is from 30 years ago. Um, when institutionalized came out, that was like 1983. So right. yeah, it's funny. Ha ha. Right. But there you go. There's a little bit of trivia for you. Wow. Yeah. See, and then, okay, let's talk about Cal Expo real quick. Yeah. Cal Expo. Oh man. Which was a cool venue. The loudest show, it, the loudest outdoor show I've ever seen in my life happened there. You and I were both there. I think it, I didn't know if that's where you were going. No, with no. This. I was just going to say that's a great venue if you have the right spot because it was a, it's gone, right? No, now it's called Papa Murphy's Park, and that's oh. where uh, Sacramento Republic FC, the the football slash right. soccer team, plays. Okay, but you don't see shows there anymore. They're no. on the stage. They don't do well. It's not truly a venue the way it once was. It's um, for the uh, not technically the last show that I know of. That happened there was a punk rock show. I think it was called Sabroso. It was like uh, Pennywise, Offspring, Vandals, a bunch of bands like that all, right. all played there. But Flocky it was Molly, I think the too. the cool part of it was it it did have risers mm-hmm. is the best way of putting it up from the ground, but that that ground would stretch back probably a hundred yards or so. I mean, it was pretty deep for those who um, and it was a horseshoe shit uh, square. More square yeah, than I horseshoe. So. Yeah. And here's how. Here's the best way to describe it, um, it, to really see it in, in its true form. Watch the video for Tesla's love song. Oh. Because they shot it there the night after Tesla played here. So Tesla hmm. was the opener. It was Tesla and Great White at the time. And Tesla and Great White played here. It was July 3rd of, of 89, I believe. And oh, then the next night, Great White headline here. And then the next night... Great White opened for Tesla. Clearly, as you're in Sacramento, you're going to open for Tesla. Right. And that's where they shot the video for Love Song. Oh, wow. Okay. So there you go. So I saw the No More Tours tour. Oh, Ugly uh, Kid Joe and Slaughter were the openers. Right. Uh, started with Ugly Kid Joe, and I met with Slaughter before that show. It was the only time I ever went backstage there. That was fall of 91, too. Um, no, it was two. Um, because... We went down, saw that show, drove back to Reno. I worked the next morning and then drove back over there and saw The Lost open for King's X at the... Boardwalk. Boardwalk. Fun fact. And uh, rest in peace. Once again, how we could handle those kinds of weekends. Uh, Speaking of the Boardwalk, uh, Mark Earl, the owner of the Boardwalk, recently passed. Lost his battle with cancer. Oh, that sucks. And um, that's one of those cool little venues that the capacity is about 250 people. Yeah, but somehow they always <laughs> got like they figured out a way to be able to pay enough to get bands that people knew. Yeah, but but man, didn't we, know too. Yeah, and they would discover a couple of bands, and the ceiling was all of about seven feet tall because Lucas, the lead singer of the Lost, see that's one guy I do remember, was about six foot eight, and with the hair when he'd whip around actually touch the lights yeah it was they uh, one show a memorable show i remember seeing there with you uh, we both saw that texas band galactic cowboys, cowboys. open oh, for king's x over there one of my favorites oh man that show was amazing and if you like harmonic metal look up galactic cowboys mm-hmm. there's no better way of putting it they're harmonic metal right they only put out a couple of records that i know of they did they just did the two they're managed by the same people that managed King's X. Oh, okay. I saw Galactic Cowboys with Prong in San Francisco. 
Wow, where was that show? I don't know. Uh, was it at the Stone? No, it was down on Market Street. What was the venue? Oh, that's the, the Warfield. At the, yeah, I guess it was Warfield. Mm -hmm. And then you and I down at the Warfield, we saw Soundgarden uh, with. Who was that the? Or are you thinking of the Soundgarden COC Swerve Driver show? No. Or so, it Soundgarden? Was, it was Soundgarden COC and Monster Magnet. And then um, before that, I was I saw Soundgarden with Danzig, and um, the, and and uh, somebody else. Danzig. No, it was Soundgarden, Danzig, and COC. That was the show, and that was in 1990. And then the next time I was at the Warfield to see Soundgarden was with. Uh, Monster Magnet and Swerve Driver. Swerve Driver, this amazing, ethereal, um, like awesome rock band from the UK. They're still making music, and their last record was so good. Um, and Monster Magnet had just released uh, the album before Dopes to Infinity, Super Judge, I think. And they hadn't released Dopes because Dopes was the one that had Negasonic Teenage Warhead, oh. which became like kind of a radio staple for them for a minute. All right. And when we saw him, Soundgarden was backing up. Uh, no, it was Soundgarden and Faith No More is the show that we saw because Mike Patton climbed up the red curtains. You, you saw that with our mutual friend, Devious, because I didn't get to see that show. I know exactly what you're talking about. I, no. I wasn't there at that one. No. I've seen Soundgarden in the city um, three times, and then the fourth would have been at the Oakland Coliseum with you. But the, the right. first time I saw him was February of 90 at the Stone, which is now a strip club in, uh, in on, San Broadway. on Broadway. Yeah. yeah. And it was Soundgarden. They're all strip clubs, right? There. Soundgarden, Prong, and this Canadian band called Voivod. Oh, yes. Yeah. And Voivod. that, well, man, that was a great show. Oh, another amazing show at the Stone was um, Faith No More and Primus. Primus were the opener and played a longer set than Faith No More. Wow. Which was kind of weird. <laughs> they probably had more music than Faith No More. Not really. <laughs> Really? I mean, yeah, Faith and More at the, at the time had three records, and, and Primus only had, had like an album and an EP, I think. Oh, wow. It was really weird. Amazing show, nonetheless. And I was, I was wearing, I wore a Tom Jones shirt that I still have. I still have a, a Tom Jones tour shirt from like 88, 89. And I remember getting pizza slices up the street with a couple of friends, with my friend Steve and, and another friend that went with us as we're walking back um, to, to go to the show. And all of a sudden, this voice behind me goes, is that a Tom Jones tour shirt? I turn around, it was a keyboard player for Faith No More. I go, yeah, it is. He goes, that's awesome, man. I'm like, okay. The only show I saw at the Stone was Dweezil Zappa mm. with his brother Ahmet. Uh, wow. Very weird, very weird show. Dweezil Zappa, for just a blink of an eye, was like a touring rock star and yeah i have no idea what's gone on and yes that is the brother of moon zappa or moon unit zappa who did uh she valley was girl for valley girl yeah. yeah that was and then their dad of course was the legendary frank zappa so here's a fun fact for you fun uh music trivia fact um moon is known as julie in the aussie video for shot in the dark and she winds up becoming the girl who is featured on the album cover for The Ultimate Sin, which winds up being a massive billboard on Sunset Strip in the video. Wow. How about that? Okay. <laughs> You're pulling out all these no. nuggets. I'm going to give you more information. Yes, no kidding. That's what happens when you talk music with Chris Payne. <laughs> Useless trivia is all like running through my head. Yes. What, are, what are these? I need to hold this one up. I need to look at this. So as I'm... So what, so what Chris is looking at very quickly is when we're in the radio station 
thing for those thick years. Every time there was a show that I got a ticket or a pass or pictures, I created a collaboration for each of those years. And some were bigger and some were smaller, some mm -hmm. had more photos, and some showed really cool things. The one that Chris is picking up is from 92, 1992. Yeah. Man, that's a long time ago now. Yeah. Uh, and that had just really cool memories because I, and it was also the cool playbills that they gave out on the way into shows or that you'd see taped up to the side of a building or whatever, just a little uh, five by seven ones that they made back in the day. So this one that's on here that has Rush and Mr. Big, it's June 1st, um, 92, clearly. Right. Uh, this was the third of three out of four times for me seeing Mr. Big in a year. Uh, in Mr. In, Big. Mr. Big. <laughs> I saw him four times. In, That's a lot. In the time span of one year and five months. So the first time I saw Mr. Big was uh, March of 92 at the Warfield. They were recording the show that night. I'm, I know it's going to surprise you. I'm actually in the video. Okay. And One of like 12 that you're in, right? Uh, two or three. But um, I'm in that video, and I remembered, like, I, I know exactly where I am in the video, but the show was amazing. Uh, the band that opened the show, do you remember the band Tall Stories? Oh, vaguely. Okay, so okay. they had a song called oh. Wild on the Run. Right. All right? All right. The singer for Tall Stories is a guy named Steve Augieri. Steve Augieri, for about that long, a blink of an eye, right. was the lead singer of Journey, before the Filipino guy who's the singer for Journey Now is. <laughs> it's true. Filipino guy. It's, it's a true story. Okay. Um, and, and, and the guy who sings for him now is, is you know, is the Steve Perry. Like, close your eyes and Steve Perry's right there. Open your eyes like, hey, that's not Steve Perry. Anyway, so Steve Augieri. Which, to me, makes him kind of a cover band. Steve, <laughs> Steve yeah. Augieri was the singer for Tall Stories. Tall Stories opened for Mr. Big. That was March of 92. And then uh, I wound up seeing, seeing Mr. Big four times because wow. I saw him on that show. Saw him on the Rush show. I saw him open for Scorpions at Lawler. Remember right. that show? Yes. And then the last time I saw him was when they were headlining at Cal Expo, back to that. Um, and they had Electric Boys and Hardline on the show. Wow. Remember Hardline? Yeah. Wow. So there you Hot go. Hot Cherie. Yeah. That was their big song. Yeah. That's so, one of those bands that play Hot Cherie, open with it, play it five or six times in the middle and close with it and we'll right. be good with you. Right. Because really, what else do you got to offer? Yeah. So, so Saturday Night Live. So there's your, yeah, four times in, in wow. eight, uh, yeah, eight, about uh, 18 months or so, yeah. give or take. That's a, lot of, uh, that's a lot of drill on the guitar. Yeah. Because that was their thing. Yeah, it was their thing. That was, that was a lot of fun. So... Um, yeah, seeing all those shows, Scorpions, I mean, uh, I know what I wanted to ask you because I have it on my list of stuff. Is there an artist or a group um, still living right. that you've never seen and always wanted to? Oh, still living. Still living. Because I was going to say Michael Jackson, I always wanted to see and I was so bummed that I never got to. Okay. Probably Aerosmith. You've never seen Aerosmith? We remember we're supposed to see them. I still have the unpunched ticket and the show was canceled. I'm trying to think about that because the only one that it was like I know 1993. Of, no, no, they played. They Aerosmith played here. They had right. Collective Soul as the opener. Right. I didn't get to see it. You didn't go. Well, I don't know why I didn't go, but I never got to see Aerosmith. Wow. And that's probably the go-to of all of them that I didn't get to see. Because the only time Aerosmith canceled Reno was um, March of 1990, Skid Row, not Skid Row, uh, Aerosmith and I think Skid Row were supposed to open. Yeah, sounds right. And 
um, they wound up, it was a Monday night and they wound up canceling at the last second because an opening happened at the very last second for them to be on a radio program called Rockline. Oh, geez. Yeah. Okay, that was kind of big. So they opted to be oh. on Rockline versus playing a show in Reno. Mm. That's exactly why. And I know, we, I remember there was a radio listener that you and I had at uh, on the Z-Rock days who won a big trip or won some package prior to the Z-Rock days uh, when I worked at 96 Rock. Right. And she was supposed to have the big dinner, limo ride, show, meet and greet, Aerosmith, all that. And it never happened. Uh, yeah. 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 That's that's the one thing. What's the one thing you're glad no, let's try this again. What's the one thing you wish was around then that's around now? It's to me Wait, it's an around obvious. then? That's that's that wasn't around then, that is around now. Oh. In other words, technology. Oh. Um because <laughs> it's a good and a bad. Yeah. For example, I am so glad social media did not exist in those days. You and me both. Because yeah, a whole bunch of things would not have happened that no. did happen. No. Uh let's go back to Pantera playing on Mother's Day weekend. Yeah. They wanted to go gamble after that show. Do you okay. remember that whole fiasco? Yeah, I do. It was pretty amazing. I drove a Suzuki Samurai at the time, a hardtop no less. Yeah. And I got three of the four guys and three roadies into the Suzuki Samurai with me. Down the street to the pepper mill. Yep. And then, because I had to see it, I walked through the pepper mill with them just to watch people's reactions. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. But if social media existed, then, oh, yeah, people would have been posting stuff. It would have been super not cool. Yeah. And not nearly as fun of a moment because you'd be like, ah, oh, what's people, what are people going to say? What are these yahoos doing? What's, what's going on with the long hair and the cowboy hat? And da, da, da. It, it would have been not cool. It, was, what it wouldn't have been as much fun, yeah. No. What I wish would have happened was digital photography so that we could have shared pictures that I'm still waiting for my picture of me with Dave Mustaine that Ryan took that I never got. My friend Ryan. Yeah. Our friend Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. So um, things okay. like that. I wish... Kind of like not the photograph the, that, uh, the meeting Nickelback in 2006. Yeah, that too. Don't have that picture either. <laughs> it happened. It happened. I do have something signed by Chad in my house, okay. but never got the photo of it. Okay. Yeah. I do have the photo of us with three doors down, and we, we jumped ahead. We got stuck in the early 90s. I didn't want that to necessarily happen. We've had cool shows. When you're working downtown at the Knit, um, we, got yeah. to, we got to do some cool shows yeah. there, like the revival of Alice in Chains. Alice in Chains. With the black lead singer. Yeah, William. Who sounds amazing. He's if if you're like, incredible. oh, no, not anything that Lane doesn't sing, I don't want to listen. No. Listen to this guy. He does it right. Yeah. He really gets it, and it's very cool. You just can't think about him. And they've put out, th I think it's three albums three. with him. Yeah. And he does a great job on those He's albums. He's fantastic. Yeah, he really is. My favorite song of the three records is um, uh, Check Your Head. That's from Check the, My Brain. Sorry, Check, Check My Brain. The one that's got a heart on the uh, album cover. Black that Gives Way to Blue. Yes. Yeah. Um, we saw Smashing Pumpkins, yeah. a very weird Smashing Pumpkins yes. show because it had Billy on leads mm -hmm. and then a whole bunch of high school kids playing. Basically, now they've gotten all back together. You've heard that. For the which most, is pretty three, cool. out of four, three out of four, right. I think, are in the band. I don't think Darcy's playing bass. but I No, I think they got everybody back wow. for just a couple of have shows heard, and then whoosh, everything got cut have off. Have you heard but, the new song? Yeah. Do you like it? Meh. Sounds like a killer's. 
Yeah. I mean, and, and I, lo- yeah. I like the killers, but it just sounds like a killers. Yeah, it's okay. All right. I mean, it's cool that they're making stuff that, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, there were other cool places like going to Del Mar Station. Now, full disclosure, I was not of age going to Del Mar Station <laughs> for 90% of the time I went to Del Mar Station. I did have a really good fake ID that I actually got checked against by a cop going through there. But we had some cool shows in there. Behind you is Kick Tracy signed. And Kick Tracy was around for a hot second. That was a and one and done gone. Oh, man. One and done in a barely like one song yeah. and done. We did stuff at what is what was the Ice House. What is now the, the Spice, Spice House. House? Yeah, yeah, but that was a cool venue for a time, and like arcade playing there. See, and it the wasn't. Chance. But the, I mean, it wasn't to to give credit to every you know like other stations in the city um, at the time. You know, it wasn't just us. I mean, yeah, we had we had uh, bands like uh, you know Deftones played there long before they they happened. Um, uh, I'm trying to think, Britney Fox played there. Flotsam and Jetsam ro- rolled through there. But they also, like, no doubt played there. Blind oh, Melon yeah. played there. Right. Um, oh, God. Like, No Effects played there. Pennywise, Offspring, Green Day. I mean, like, these bands played this venue. This, this At the Ice House. Yes. Yeah, because it was, it was actually a really good room because that one was bigger than most of the other ones. You could probably get 400 people in there. Give or take. And but it was awesome because the acoustics. Had a huge bar. And the acoustics because it was all brick inside. Oh, never thought of That's that. That's what made it, oh, oh my really? God, so amazing. Okay. Yeah. And it had a very tall stage. Yeah. I mean, it was up four feet. Yeah. So that meant everywhere in that room, you could see what was going on up on the stage. Yep. And they, they did stuff for a little while back behind it. That's where Trickster played, was back behind the building. Outside, yeah. Outside, on the railroad tracks. So, What could go wrong? To to then add to the outdoor part of it, um, our friend Rick Grasser had a building on on 2nd Street called the Tumbleweed Bar and Grill, and he had a couple outdoor shows there. Um, Babylon AD was this band that played out there. (laughs) The legendary show, though. Yeah, I'm trying to think of... White Zombie. Well, I mean, White Playing Zombie, inside. Typo Negative played there. Yeah. Uh, the White Typo Zombie Negative. Show. By the way, still my favorite interview you have ever done. <laughs> Typo Negative? Yes. The first time that Peter Steele yes. was in the The whole band was in the building. Yes. And I'm terrified for my life because I'm like the shortest guy in the room. And it, it was like trying to pull teeth. Okay, so at the... Well, everything was barely one word answers very yeah. monotone. It, yeah. And you... No. <laughs> Hi. Yeah. They and and the thing is they were like as as time would go on every time they came back to town they were they were the nicest guys in the whole Good. world. They were just personable, they were friendly. Um one time the last time that Typo played here, they played at the Little Waldorf Saloon. Oh. And oh, I was okay. working at 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 the Rock Station 1045 at the time. And Peter Steele, right when he walks in the studio, like he he saw me and he just kind of gets a smile out of the corner of his mouth. He's like, hey, I know this guy. (laughs) And I was like, my man. (laughs) It was just great to see him because you get to, you know, when when bands would come through, you build these relationships. Pantera, going back to that, the relationship we had with them. Dimes bought me my first legal drink. Boom. In Texas, we were down there for the, the radio station convention. I happened to turn 21 that weekend, and I shouldn't say my first, but it's it's a better story than going to the reunion ball with my dad. Mm. Later on that night, we went to this place called The Trees in downtown Texas, awesome. or in downtown Dallas, and we saw 
Galactic Cowboys. Wow. And hanging out in the VIP suite was me and all the national jocks from the radio station. Okay. Who didn't like us very much because we took them off the air during the day, remember? Yeah. Anyway, that's the way that worked. And the guys from Pantera hung out the entire time. They're like, oh, dude, it's Reno. Reno. What's going on? And I'm like, oh, man, it's my birthday. He goes, oh, okay, let's get you hooked up. And what was Dime's drink? Seven and seven. He yeah. had the tattoo and everything. Oh, my God, being 21, drinking a seven and seven, it was just burning through my esophagus the entire time. So then later, if you remember, that... Uh, seven and seven then um, evolved into another drink which became what is referred to as the black tooth grin and that's a line from the Megadeth song in Sweating Bullets when right. he says something about a black tooth grin so Daryl says that the black tooth grin is a Seagram's and Coke with a splash or Seagram's and Crown with a splash of Coke for color that those are that Ooh. is the exact words verbiage for the drink and so I remember God, God rest his soul when Daryl passed and I was out with some friends a couple nights later and I said, we need to all have black tooth grins. And we all did. And the bartender was like, how do I pour this? I believe we were somewhere in what is now Midtown Reno. And I said, it's, it's Crown and Seagram's with a splash of Coke for color. The bartender just gave us all looks. We're like, just go with it. We need to toast Pantera. There you go. Very good. All right, you have other notes in your... I do. As we uh, finish up? To, uh, to add to the um, artists and or bands still living that right. I've always wanted to see. Yeah. Uh, two on the top of my list are Bruce Springsteen and Bob Seger. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. I mean, because I've, I've, I've seen Ramones. Ramones was the loudest show I've ever seen in my life mm. indoors. All right. That was March of 94 at the Warfield. Frank Black was the opener. Okay. okay. Three months later... You and I, along with your wife, right, and uh, I forget who was with me, we were outside at Cal Expo for the, what is referred to, and here comes a curse word, the Shit in the Sheds tour. It was Metallica, and that's what the name of the tour was called. Oh, really? It was the I Shit could not the... have, t I just knew it as the box set tour because they played the greatest hits for that show. And that's all it was. You know who the fourth was? Scary. Really? Yeah. Because the wife basically used Scary as a shield for anybody that was around us because we're at the end of the horseshoe or the, the edge of the square looking up. We had the best seats in the we house. We did have the best seats. And you'd look down, and I will, I'd get chills to this day thinking about how that crowd had a movement to it because they only played the hits. It wasn't, oh, we got a new song for you. No, no, no. We're not doing these long Kirk diatribe uh, solos or anything. We're going from hit to hit, to hit, and the place was a wreck. Because they opened with bread fan. three hours. Yeah, oh, they opened with bread fan. That was, okay, so here's why I know the, the name of the tour, because Suicidal Tendencies were the opener. Do you remember who was supposed to be the middle slot before Metallica? <laughs> I know who it was supposed to be. I know who it ended up being. Go ahead. It was supposed to be Alice in Chains, mm -hmm. and it ended up being Candlebox. Yes, Candlebox were the biggest rock band on radio at the time. And everybody booed them. Yes. And I remember him saying, hey, you try and open up for Metallica. Let me know how you do. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yes. It was a great moment. And everybody kind of liked him after that. They're like, all right, he stood up to us. I kind of dig this. Until their last song of the set, which was the song You. Oh. And if you remember the very last line of the song. They flipped everybody off and walked off the stage. Which the last <laughs> line of the song is F you is right. for you. As Kevin flips off the crowd and drops the mic and they walk off the stage. The place was like... In a frenzy, we need 
our aggressive music now and yes. however 35 45 minutes later you just hear like the pick on a muted string real quick one more and then like the whole place just kind of collective held their breath for a minute and you just hear this ladies and gentlemen and it's like it just goes dead quiet for a second and james hetfield brand fan <laughs> like the whole place went uh, just ballistic I I still get chills thinking about it absolutely. right now. Absolutely, and and the best shows the the last time that we saw them was at the Fox Theater. That was December 2016. Your wife still uh, yes. kind of holds it over my head. Yes, not uh, happy with you that I got to go. Yeah, but um, uh, that was that show was amazing. Perfect example of, and we'll get a hotel room this night. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we can no, have, look. We'll, we can come back to this conversation in like another uh, twenty five thousand podcasts down yes. the line. Um, and we will, because I, I still have a ton of notes. I've got, I've got stuff, um, you know, and... and, and like Give me said, one more. Let's do one more question, and okay. then we'll wrap this up. Um, what was the first... Uh, do you remember the first time you saw... Uh, did you ever get to see Def Leppard? No, never got to see Def Leppard. Okay. Uh, I don't remember why, but they came and went here, and I... Yeah, I don't because the last time they played here was what eighty eight. No, last time they played Reno was like t- two thousand no, I mean, seven or eight. Okay, but I mean prior to that, prior to uh, two thousand seven or eight, the the last time was nineteen eighty one. Right. Oh. See, Excuse me. My brother went to that show. That's how that worked. Def Leppard and Blackfoot at the Centennial Coliseum. There you go. Before okay. that, the, the year before, they were it was Def Leppard opening for Ted Nugent. Right. Okay, <laughs> Def Leppard in their heyday, I would have loved to have seen when they're backing up the Hysteria album. That would have been amazing stuff. The show I that... still have uh, a lot of credit to the drummer and what he was able to work through after losing his arm. The Def Leppard show I missed was uh, November 87. It was Def Leppard and Tesla at Arco Arena in the round. All right. Then oh. the following summer, July of 88, Def Leppard played at Cal Expo with Europe as the opener. Oh, the final countdown. There was the, 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 again, the crowd was, was pumped. The show was great. Everything was awesome. About halfway through the show, Joe Elliott's talking with the crowd, having good banter. Everything was great. All of a sudden, in the midst of his, he, midst of whatever he was saying, he looks at it and he goes, oh, what's this? As he leans down and he picks up. It was, oh, no. it was so cheesy, but it was amazing. He goes, as he holds it up and looks at the crowd, he goes, oh, what's this? A lump of sugar? And the whole place just, again, blew up. They lost their minds because the next song was Pour Some Sugar On Me. Oh, wow. That's cheesy. <laughs> so the Holy whole place cow. just went bananas. It was great. Wow. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. There you go. That's a little uh, trip down memory lane. We hope that it spurs some memories for all of you thinking about all of those cool shows yeah, we'll, and shows that you did or did not get to see. And like I said, I mean, we'll, we'll come back to a lot of these because or more, more of this conversation later because there are shows, whether it's a festival I want to talk about or a show in New York City, um, seeing SOD, uh, like a, a ton of different things. Like, And I know that you have other shows in California that you can talk about. Other shows in California, I think about... The worst show that I ever went to was Guns N' Roses here in 93. So we'll come when back they to... they didn't come on until 10 o'clock at night, and Mm-mm. I had to work at 5 the next Mm-mm. morning. They went on stage at 11.17 p.m. Oh, there you go. Okay. And we leave off there because we'll pick up the concert conversation with that moment right there. 